0: My name is Rich. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to welcome you here this morning. We're starting a, a new two-part series here, and so uh I share a verse with you, just kind of set the table for that uh for the series here. But um, some of you might know this verse, it's from Romans, Romans eleven thirty-six, and I'm reading from uh, an old beat up living bible here. So uh it, but it says this um Romans eleven thirty-six says For everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by His power. And everything is for His glory. To Him be glory uh, evermore. We're doing a series for the next two weeks that's just called Stories for His Glory. And we're going to be talking with... um, Uh, Two, really two families in the church here this week and then a a different one next week and just drawing out their stories, the stories that God has given them. uh, In some ways, the story about why and how they're still alive. Um, and I think it's going to be a neat time here, but it's going to be a little different than we normally do around the firehouse. In some ways, I'm going to invite you guys to the uh, firehouse living room set up here, um, and we're just going to we're just going to kind of talk. And, and I'm going to interview this this morning. We're going to talk with Brooke and Alan Kaufman, and I'm going to kind of try to draw out their story. Some of you are more familiar with it than others. Some of you might not even know them, but um, we're just going to. I'm going to talk to them and, and we're going to share our conversation with you at the same time here and so it be a little different style than we're used to but I think it, it'll be a good one but why don't you guys um, I'm going to pray here and then um, we'll invite uh, Alan and Brooke up so let's just uh, pray real quick here well, Lord Jesus we do just thank you for this morning and, and we do just look to you God I um, uh, just pray that you would put uh, Alan and Brooke just uh, on a stand that they, that they might shine for you and just Tell what they've learned of you, what they've seen of you, and just give you the glory for even being alive today. Lord, we do lift up prayers for um, families in Aurora there that um, this morning have lost loved ones, that, um, that we ask you to comfort them and be with them. Lord, we pray for those that are still in critical condition that you would, that you would sustain them and keep them alive if that's your will. Lord, and we pray it would be, especially if they don't know you yet. Um, but Lord, we just ask you to show up during this time. We invite you here as our guest of honor and, and we do just want to uh, put the Kaufmans uh, on a stand for your glory. We just pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Why don't you guys welcome Alan and Brooke up here.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. Let's so grab a seat right there. Okay. All right. Okay. And yeah the firehouse living room i think we could get used to this <laughs> the idea is to make it maybe just a little more relaxed and stuff like that and and we'll be talking we we'll also will be we'll let you guys in on the conversation too as we go here um but i thought uh, i thought we just might start a little bit um uh, some some people here might not know either one of you uh, and i thought maybe you could just introduce yourselves tell a little about yourselves your family things like that you guys might have a grandkid or a in the mix there. Um, so. You do.
2: I'm Brooke Kaufman. Um, I am a happy grandmother of one grandchild. Um, Owen, our little O.E. bear, is he just turned a year old. Um, his father is Toby. Some of you might know Toby Kaufman, and he's married to Clara Bruns, and... So he's our oldest son, and then our youngest son. We are so blessed. He was able to be with us today. He was in town. Um, he lives in Chadron, Nebraska. His name is Tyler, and um, so that's our family. Um, we've been married almost 32 years, Our 31 and a half years. Our anniversaries in December. So, um, I'm. I, I taught school for several years, and we lived in Kansas. I substituted and. That's sort of my background of teaching elementary school. Um, and then after my first aneurysm, I've just been a blob. <laughs> I just stay home and <laughs> travel with Alan whenever he goes anywhere for work or um, and just able to go and visit the grandbaby when I can. And I'm just really blessed to be able to, to have that time. So that's enough yeah. about me.
3: <laughs> yeah. And I'm Alan and uh, almost 32 years, you'll have to know that she was 12 when we got married, so <laughs> that's why she looks so young today. I'm in the construction equipment business. I work for a wonderful Christian family out of uh, Wichita, Kansas, that uh, operates in seven states, and I oversee uh, their eight stores in Colorado, and I've worked for them for 22 years.
0: Hey, Um, let me see maybe a little of my I mean I've known you through Toby I guess for a while there and then uh, Clara was also uh, at Fort Collins at the Rock at CSU I think one little story I share about Toby for better or for worse um, is a fun story Um, obviously he's very zealous for the Lord and with the gospel and stuff and I remember we were at a men's retreat uh, we did a for the college group we went up in the Wrist Canyon Um, I don't even know if it, it got burned down this summer or not there but we went up there and we were just talking about um, life is designed, life of following Christ is designed to be an adventure. And uh, a lot of times the adventure comes when you add the gospel component in it and stuff like that, and there's excitement of you know, the battle of good versus evil, and stepping out in faith, and, and I remember the guys were just all pumped up, you know, Lord of the Rings was big back then, and we were all, you know, going to take the, the ring of, to Mordor and burn it or whatever, you know, but um, that, that night, you know, we got pumped up, we, you know, we're telling, it, let's get excited for the gospel and be on an adventure, and and we were up, it was, there was snow up the canyon. I think it was in the spring. There was about a foot of snow on the ground. And after we got the guys all fired up, I heard, rumor had it, I went to bed, but rumor had it later that night that a, a number of guys decided to streak across the field in, in the middle of the winter and uh, just as a part of the adventure that we could have well, with a bunch of believers up there. But uh, But anyways, it was... He may or may not have been in that bunch i don 't uh, <laughs> i don 't remember but uh, no he 's uh, very zealous for the lord, zealous for the gospel. Um, <laughs> And so, anyways, uh, I, I do appreciate Toby and you guys impacted the slides there. But anyways, we'll we'll change the subject back to the story at hand here. Um, now, some that do know your story you know, might know a little bit. I think there's kind of a, maybe an earlier chapter that, that I'd like you guys to maybe share with us. And then there's a, maybe a more recent chapter as well. And I'd like to start by... Um, Maybe helping people understand uh, what, um, you alluded to it already, uh, what an aneurysm is. You know, I know just for myself personally, I did not know what one was until recently, you know. And, um, but maybe you can explain what an aneurysm is uh, between the two of you here. And, um, and then also share when that impacted your life, when you either found out you were dealing with an aneurysm or things like that. But maybe just start off like that.
3: Well, the brain aneurysm is is uh i mean it's really pretty simple it's uh a place in the vessel it's a weak spot in the vessel and after years and years and years of and a lot of times it's where you know it it might hit here and then turn it creates and there's a weak spot in that wall it'll create like a bubble and uh if you can catch them before uh, they burst, it's it's not nearly as big a deal. There's a couple of ways to treat them. One is a coil where you would go up, uh, it's like an angiogram where you go up through the the main artery in your leg and they can go up and, and coil. Uh, or the second way is is to clip it, which is a full-blown brain surgery and they go in and, and actually clip the aneurysm. Mm-hmm. And that's what one is and uh, so going into the story, it was December 26, 2006. It was a, a day uh, right after Christmas, and Ty was home uh, that day and heading back to school the next day. He played uh, basketball up at Shadron, and uh, they had a four- or five-day break for Christmas, and, and he had to head back, so he was home. It was a day like any other. We'd enjoyed the day. Um, I remember ordering pizza, watching the Nuggets, you know, just another day. Went in to take a shower about nine o'clock that night and when I got out of the shower I just heard uh you know, heard Brooke really struggling to breathe. And uh it just found it so odd because it was she was perfect throughout the day. So I remember looking around the corner and she's on the floor and just uh struggling to breathe. So, I screamed at Tyler to call nine one one and uh he came in and called from our bedroom and uh then Brooke quit breathing and you know God is so good to us, and he will give you an amazing amount of calmness um when you need it and I just remember um, when she quit breathing that I'd, I'd had a little training in CPR and I thought, I can do this, I can give her mouth to mouth, I can keep her going, I only have to do it for two or three minutes. We live in town, it's all it's going to take uh, for them to get here. So. Um, I gave her mouth-to-mouth for, I don't know if it was 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes or whatever, and then she took off breathing on her own, and uh the ambulance came, took us to Brighton to the local hospital there, uh, where they told us she had a uh, brain bleed, which I had no idea what they were talking about, uh, didn't have a clue. Um, and uh, they said we can't uh, we can't treat her here. We don't have a neuro unit, and uh, she's going to need that. And do you have a preference of hospital? And I said I have no idea. And they said, what about the University of Colorado? Uh, they have one bed available in their neuro, and, and all I could think is I know right where that hospital is. So yeah, that'd be a good one. And <laughs> so they fight for liked her down there, um, and uh, Ty was still with me, and uh, we got it together, met her, met him down there, and uh, knew immediately um, that it was really on for her life when uh, they met us, and uh, of course you have to sign a form now for every procedure they do what might happen, what won't happen, um, and uh, I just remember reading on there that if you didn't do this shunt um, to alleviate the blood in her brain, that it said probable death. And so, um, of course, you sign the form and, and do it immediately. Um, the next day, they scheduled the coil, and they tried the coil. It didn't it didn't work. Uh, the, the tear was too big, and uh, so the, tw- the evening of the 27th, um, they did they did the brain surgery on her, and then uh, after that, um, you know, things. And this is a really a cruel thing. This this brain aneurysm. I can't imagine you could ever wish that upon your worst enemy, because it just keeps going and it just keeps going and uh, you know over the next I guess 16 days um, it was just an emotional roller coaster uh, from a a part of what they do uh, and and I'm gonna for you medical people I'm really sorry but I'm gonna (laughs) butcher this completely up but you know one of the things that they really that they do is they try to keep your pressure up as high as they can they want to keep your heart rate down and your blood pressure up and it's just like uh, uh, turning a spigot up in a water hose and, and when the brain bleeds it's on the outside of the vessels and on the outside of the ventricles and it irritates them and it causes them to close well when they close you can't get blood through it and when you can't get blood through it that's when strokes happen and so um, somewhere around 40% of everybody that has a brain aneurysm will die before they get to the hospital and over 50% of those that survive and get to the hospital will end up in, with uh, a neurological disorder uh, the rest of their life so they're really fighting hard for her to, uh, that she wouldn't stroke So I guess it was about uh, January 1st, The Brooke had a heart attack um, in her room. Um, They had five different bags of things going into her to try to keep her pressure up. Well, as they looked back, they said, between all of those drugs trying to keep her pressure up, and then all of a sudden her brain saying, something 's wrong with my heart. it shoots adrenaline to the heart. It caused her to have a heart attack. We find out a few hours later her heart 's working you know thirty five percent of of its normal capacity and and you just go cry. you just what else are you going to do and you find out later that she could live the full functional life at thirty five percent well. They didn't really tell us that part, so, you know, it's, uh, it ends up being just devastating news. Uh, that was on the first, and then uh, that night, uh, she, was, uh, she was not doing well. Her lungs were failing. She was not able to keep up with the oxygen, and so they decided to intubate her which means put her in a drug-induced coma and uh, so for the next 12 days uh, she was in a drug-induced coma uh, so they could deal with her body and the things that were going to happen and they said be prepared for her kidneys to fail be prepared for her to have ulcers she's going to get pneumonia her stomach's probably gonna uh, shut down for not eating and and all these things happened. they didn't just not like they happened at once, one day, then the next day, then the next day. And uh, so it was devastating. It was a it was a tough time through there. And uh, I remember seeing her in bed day after day, and I end up bringing a picture uh, of her because she didn't, you would have never told it was Brooke. Her face was swollen up. She had tape all over her face. She had things going in her nose and in her mouth, in her head. She had 20 bags of stuff going in her. And she had... Uh, then they end up having to put a like a manifold on because they just couldn't put more tubes in her. And uh, I've never been more scared in all my life. No, nothing... I wish I could say other things mattered, but uh, nothing mattered at that point. I was just solely consumed with uh, what I fear might have been the worst-case scenario. And uh, uh, I'm grateful that uh, Toby was with me um, and, and with me most of the time. I really felt sorry for Ty uh, because uh, he, he we talked a lot about it and said, you ought to go back to school, this, this will... This will come and go, and this will be okay, but you don 't want to give up six months of your life um, and so I know it was uh, it was really uh, really hard on him so um, yeah
0: um, and let 's see I mean uh, I know just in talking with you about it a little bit um, did you did you ever get a sense that um, how this was going to play out was? Not in your hands. It was not even Brooke's will that might keep her alive. Did you ever face something like that?
3: I'm going to have to answer all these questions because one of us was asleep the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And not only asleep the whole time, sidebar note, we had taken a couple of vacations to Palm Springs. Well, she took several trips to Palm Springs in those days that she was asleep. she now when we so bless her heart uh, the night of the first after they had intubated her, um, I went home to sleep that night it 's the first time i 'd went home to sleep. Uh, we had just camped out in the, in the uh, waiting room of uh, of the ICU unit there at university. And the doctor said, you need to go get your rest. Everything's going to be okay. Um, You know, she's going to be much easier to control now. So I went home that night. Toby stayed with her. Um, I got up the next morning. got dressed for work, actually. thought, I'm just going to go in. We'll check on her. She's asleep. Go to work for a few hours. Come back around lunch, check on her. Go back to work a few hours. Come back and check on her. And uh, I came in that morning. And it was probably a little after 8. I got there, and then there was just uh, people all over in a room. And uh, they were just, I could tell it wasn't going well. And uh, I remember asking the charge nurse after bed, I said, well, is she on death's door? And the nurse said, she's not on death's door, but she's walking down the hallway. And I'd never heard anything so devastating all my life. Brooke was 18 when we got married, and I'd been taking care of her for 26 years. We had got to the point in our life where our kids were grown. We were getting ready to have the most beautiful daughter-in-law you could ever imagine. We were having a great time going to Ty's basketball games. We had already been from Fargo to Las Cruces. Um, and we intended to not to miss any of the games. Life was good, we were having fun. And to hear that she's walking down death's door was just unimaginable. And I remember calling Toby who had spent the night, he left probably at 6.30 to go to work. And I remember calling that morning and said, son, you gotta come back, I need you with me. I can't go through this by myself. I so said, I feel so strongly about this. If your work won't let, uh, let you go, just quit. I need you here, and I need you to be with me. So that's the first time that uh, that I really was face-to-face with uh, the possibility of losing my girl. And and uh, then there was one other time, the only time I really seen the, the neuro-intensivist scared, even that day, this this crazy Dr. Newman, who just nothing seemed to bother him. Even that day, when I asked him, I said, "Doctor, you got to tell me if this is the day. I, my family lives, our family lives like eight to ten hours away from here. She's going to die. I, I need to call and I need to get him here." And he looked at me like I was from another planet. What are you talking about? I said, "Well, all he said, she's fine. I'm telling you, she's going to be just fine." Well, she, they, they end up stabilizing her, and uh, um, we made it through that. One of the things that they did every day well, when she was in there was they would put this entrapment on either side of the head that could to measure the blood flow through the brain. So every morning they would come in and they would measure the blood flow, and if they if they seen that there was being some restrictions. The first plan of attack would be to go back up through that, that main artery again, balloon the area that's closing, shoot meds on it, and hopefully that would keep it open for the next 24 or 48 hours. Each time you did that, you stand about a 1% chance of dying and about a, less than a 5% chance of it causing a stroke. Well, she had to have this done five different times. Uh, while she was in intensive care. So every time you just were scared. And um, there was one particular morning, the only time I ever saw Dr. Newman scared was outside her room. And I heard her say, she's stroking. And we have to get her down there. We need to get her down there now. And I heard the nurse say, we can't. Somebody's already down there, and we're going to have to wait till they're done. And that's the time that I just remember falling down, and just all I could utter is, Please Jesus, please Jesus, please Jesus. That's all I could get out. And at that point in my life, I wanted to go to this family. My thought was to go to this family and say, I'll give you everything I own. Have everything. My wife needs that table. And I want her whole. And it wasn't just a few minutes later I heard him say, The table's open. We can get her down there now. So they took her down and uh they ballooned and, and uh stabilized her that day. But those are the two times most, I guess, when it was just mm-hmm. had nothing, nothing to offer. Mm-hmm.
0: When uh, when did things turn the corner? Turn the corner for good, I mean.
3: <laughs> it was probably about... Uh, day 16 or day 17 mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I when I just really asked the, the gal are we on recovery mm-hmm. and she said "Yep, yep, we're, we're in the recovery mode mm-hmm. and it was uh, you know that day when we thought we were going to lose her uh, the first time and the nurse said she's walking down death's door you know I made it I, I, I never made it back to work, obviously, and I, and I didn't make it to work for another 32 days because I wasn't going to get a call um, from the hospital saying, hey, by the way, your wife's just passed. You know, I was glued to it. Um, I spent about every night, I virtually lived at the hospital. And and for you Valley View people, a lot of you knew that and thought it was a... Um, What a loving gesture, and part of it is a loving gesture, but but as much as anything, you know, I'm a weak, selfish person. And it was just easier to be there, because every time I went home, there was nothing there. And so we just stayed with her. Um, After the 20 days in ICU, she went to a step-down room for three days, and uh, then she went to the rehab floor for two weeks. And so... Um
0: now as you um I think one thing is just to as you are able to look back on that and start processing and maybe even as you're able to look back on it all um what do you feel like are either some of the the lessons that life lessons that God gave you or any verses that you you have for that time period or either one of you or both of you on that
2: mm-hmm. to take up <laughs> Yeah well um it's just amazing how God his grace is so incredible the verses on his grace being sufficient and how unworthy I felt to be so blessed to to recover and to to have the care that I did but um, he just you know you hear those people talk about how he just really taught me to take one day at a time he truly did he has calmed me so much too I used to be very high strung and, and nervous and since the aneurysm, I'm just so much more calm, and um, I just trust him even more. I, you know, it's sad that it took that much for me to really trust him like I do, but he just proved himself to be so incredibly faithful. Um, just, you know, hearing back everything that he did, it was its just, you, you saw his hand in it so much, and I just um, really praise him for his grace for his timing. His timing was so perfect. I mean, the, the timing of this was was perfect because always in the past, we had gone back to Kansas for Christmas, and there had been a snowstorm just days before that prevented our trip back, and we've reflected back how if if we had gone to Kansas, we would have been in a rural town in Kansas, and I wouldn't have got the help that I needed as quickly as I did. And. I wouldn't have been there. So I saw God's hand in when it happened. If it had happened 12 hours later, 5 hours later, I probably wouldn't have survived it. The fact that it happened while Alan was still up and, and able to revive me and Ty was there to call 911. So I really see God's hand of protection and his perfect timing and and just the instance with the bed being available at that time. You know, there's just so many cases of, of just seeing his hand just guiding the the timing of everything is is amazing to see.
3: That you talk about. You know, we uh, the support of of Christian uh, brothers and sisters and and uh, the church is one of the things I'll never forget uh, because. I mean, I wish I could sit here and just say, Boy, I was a man of great faith, and because of great faith, you know, Brooke is here today, and she's doing awesome. But that—that that is so far from the truth. The truth is, I was paralyzed by fear. I was scared to death. And, and I was living off of your prayers and your scriptures that you were sending me. Um... You know, Julie Cavanaugh uh, had given us this, and it's in Psalms 107, and it says, Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters, and they saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high on the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and He guided them to, to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. We held on to that verse. We held on to Second Corinthians 12. God's grace is sufficient uh, because this is a story of God's grace, absolutely God's grace. There was one night early on, and it was really cold. That winter was really a cold and nasty, snowy winter. And I remember standing outside, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and I just said, God, can you give us a sign? Would you just show me a sign? And you know, that quick, it came into my mind, I gave you a sign 2,000 years ago, how much I love you. And I held on to that through the whole thing, is how much he does love us, how he sent his son to die for each one of us. How could he love us more than that? Brooke mentioned living one day at a time. I'd never lived one day at a time in my life. And I wish I, and I'm just honest. For you young men, you young fathers, you know, please don't do what I did. I couldn't wait. I never could wait. I can't wait till they could walk, crawl. I can't wait till they could walk. I can't wait till they could play catch. I can't wait till they play team sport. I can't wait. Wait. Please wait. Enjoy every moment along the way and 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 I have since then I wished i I could have said that before um but i can't and uh so please do that uh, The other thing that came to real clear to me how much God does love me and how much God does love each one of us and in in uh ephesians um I want to share one more verse ephesians uh Chapter 3. It was in the song today. It says, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted with established in love may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to measure of all the fullness of God he loves us amazingly you know one of the things that that um, I guess I'm just share the things that, that really stuck out to me and you know, nothing bad had ever really happened to us. Everything in life had always been okay. And, you know, when it would come to pray, and it was hard for me to pray. It was hard for me to pray because, as I understand, healing, ultimate healing would be for Brooke to go to heaven. That's the ultimate healing. I couldn't pray for that. I was a chicken to pray for that. I wasn't ready to lose my wife. What I would pray for is that God would grant her the desires of her heart. That's what I would pray for over and over and over because I know she wanted to be with us. I couldn't pray for healing. For whatever reason, that really sticks out to me. And... Uh, I'm thankful for Tim Kavanaugh, who uh, found this place called Support Circle on on the web, where we could blog basically of what was going on, and and people could send us messages. And you know, over the course of that, we had received over 550 messages from people, and that was so encouraging to us through this whole uh, ordeal that we were going through. And so I held on to that every day Um, and Brooke I know got a lot of peace and and enjoyment out of them uh, when she got home so
0: Um, and maybe uh, just obviously there's been some recent uh, activity or Mm -hmm. surgery or things like that you guys want to share a little about what's happened recently and
2: sure um, when I had the last one, they told me in five years they would want to check me again just to do another angiogram just to make sure that all was well. It's just standard procedure. So um, we went for the – we had the angiogram in February, and then um, thought everything was fine. We could tell the doctor was a little concerned, but we thought, well, this isn't Dr. Breeze, my surgeon. He, you know, Maybe he doesn't really know what he's looking – I mean, we really just didn't think there was anything going on. We were just so confident everything was – fine so we, and he told us to make a follow-up appointment with Dr. Breeze and so we did and so um, that wasn't until in March and when we went to Dr. Breeze that's when we learned that I had another aneurysm um, but fortunately, we were catching it before it burst because that's when the real trouble happens, of course, is when the aneurysm bursts. So that was middle of March um, that we found out and we were really pretty devastated to hear that because we weren't expecting it at all. We thought, everything was fine and but they kept reassuring us this will be different you know we can schedule he said you know I don't think it's going to burst right away you can we'll put it on the schedule you can wait till the fall you know if you don't want to do it in the summer and whatever so we we did delay it a little bit because we had planned a trip with our family and um so we got it on the the calendar for May 25th so we um and just prayed a lot that nothing would happen between March and May. Now that we know it's there, you know, I've been living with it. It, They said it was there, and somehow the angiograms hadn't shown it. All of the ones that I had in the hospital, it was in a shadow of some sort. It was really hard to detect, and for some reason... We all know what <laughs> it equipped them to find that. I truly believe the Lord um, opened their eyes to, mm-hmm. to find it this time. And so we're so grateful for that. But um, anyway, so that was in March. The surgery was May 25th. and. They said when we went for a consultation, this will be so different. It'll be such a breeze, you know. I was, you know, if brain surgery could ever be a breeze, but but it really was way different than the last time. So um, I had the surgery Friday morning and was home by noon on Monday, and have been recuperating and getting stronger every day. It was about eight weeks ago, so that was the most recent one, and that's when I was really relying on the Lord and trusting in His promises in scripture about you know that he's with me and and i read a lot about not being fearful because it is kind of a scary thing to be facing and then during the time where you're just praying that it didn't burst (laughs) during that period of time which was a a kind of a scary thing and but just having the peace that god was in control and he gave me such incredible peace between reading his word and um just knowing that people were praying it's just amazing because I was not a peaceful person before. I was a major worrier before all this. So I'm I'm so grateful that he, for the peace that he does give.
0: And I think um, maybe as we head towards closing here, I thought of uh, two questions I'd I'd ask you, um, and and you've kind of hinted at maybe both of both of these uh, the answers. But one would be um. For those maybe dealing with health issues, struggles, challenges right now, what would be a, a word of encouragement or a thought you would share with someone uh, uh, related to that right now? I mean, there's who knows what else going on. I know there's some different challenges here, but what would you? What would your word of advice or? You know I guess my word
3: of advice would be to trust God. You know he 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 does love us. And You know I knew with us there's nothing special about us. There's nothing special about our family and I and you know we know you know bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and this is a fallen world that we live in and we saw that signs of that earlier this week mm-hmm. but God is good and God is faithful and and trust him and you know when scripture says pray without ceasing it's amazing when you get in that position how you do when you say i really couldn't pray you are praying hard and praying without ceasing, so pray, trust god uh, get your get your your church involved with you don 't go through this by yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean because what you lack, other people will bring to the party for you, and they 're there, and they want to be used mm-hmm. they we I found that I remember with Russ Carr when he said, "Hey." post messages people want to know people want to know specifically how to pray and so be open to that I think
0: and uh, and on the other question would be for those you know kind of like you alluded to for those maybe not facing challenges or health challenges specifically what would your words be to them of knowing what you know now
2: probably just to really truly cherish every day and to trust in the Lord for every day. I mean, even when things are going good, the song that when we walked in a couple minutes late, um, Blessed Be the Name, and I just think about, you know, how you give and take away, and but my heart will still say, Blessed Be the Name, because no matter what happens, God is God. He is sovereign. He is in control of all things. He loves us more than we can ever Begin to deserve, <laughs> or even imagine, and just to trust in Him mm-hmm. for for everything, in the good times and the bad.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I share a verse one one that I, I thought of related to your story here, and also even related to, like you mentioned, what happened in Aurora here. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's kind of the idea that the reality is um, the fact that you're sitting here today, alive. I mean, there's a number of people that have dealt with the same things that are no longer. Here, you know, and um, why? Why you? Um, and, and Alan said, maybe, maybe you probably wouldn't say it's not because of my great faith, not but, but, anything but the grace of God, you know. And so, um, and and we, I totally agree with that. But I think of this verse here that just says, um, it's in James, actually, chapter four that we we passed through recently, and we didn't get to hit on this point so much. But it just said, um, James four thirteen just says. Um, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to we'll go to this or that city and spend a year there or carry on business and make money, why you don't you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, um, we will live and do this or that and you know, I was just struck by the idea that um, you know you probably weren't wait, planning on waking up uh December 26th and going this is ready to deal with this I, I think it might not have been your timing it would have been a surprise to you I think people dealing with the thing in Aurora probably didn't think let's go to the late showing a Batman and it's probably going to be a life changing event you know and I just wanted to, to share with people that um, to me it's all a reminder that you don't take for granted the next day we don't know what's going to happen tonight tomorrow and and I think, especially as it relates to, um, you know, we, we God says He knows our days. When we're born, when we're married, when we're when we will leave this world, and um, and we have no control over that. It wasn't your willpower that probably kept you alive. It wasn't uh, you know maybe even all the prayers combined. I don't think is what kept you alive. It was God had a choice? He had a plan to keep you alive, and. Uh, and that's His decision, um, and we have no control over when, we, when we're born or when we die. But um, one thing I just wanted to share with everyone is, especially if you haven't figured out where you are in your faith with Christ, that it's not your decision when you will enter or leave this world, but you, can have, you do have a decision of when you will look to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, and that you've been given a choice. And I think when you see something like this that catches you by surprise or this event's in Aurora, um, I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. But my hope would be that some of you that are trying to figure out your faith, are you going to follow Christ? Are you going to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior or not? That you, know, uh, you don't know how many days you have left. And it's a very serious thing. And um, I think there, we just want to come away with it. I know both of you alluded to to the idea of getting right with with God through Christ and there's a verse I just wanted to close with here it's in Second um, Corinthians um, chapter 5 and it just says um, just says this um, uh, for God was in Christ restoring the world to himself no longer counting men's sins against them but blotting them out this is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. And in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. But I, I just think in light of your story, in light of things going on around us, I, I would encourage every one of you, uh, if you haven't, that you would receive the love that Christ offers you there's a love there's a forgiveness that that is offered to every person and um and get right with God get right with God on God's terms and then you know that's just the beginning to a life of trusting him and it's still in his hands up to you know whatever happens after that but um you you have a, a decision that you can make on when you when you choose to place your trust in Christ, and I know if you haven't, and there's some people that you. we're in different places on our journey of uh, trusting Christ and following Him. But if, if you're on the fence and you're trying to figure out, well, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, I just would encourage you, maybe think about today because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. We're we're blessed that God has graciously um, granted Brooke's life, um, and and we are looking at I think a. Uh, a trophy of grace here and you being alive and, um, and we were just blessed by that and, and yet we know that's in God's hands and, and um, we just hope that if you haven't gotten right with, with God yet through Christ that you would if you've got questions about that I'm sure the Coughlins would love to talk to you I'd love to talk to you about that but just encourage people not to delay um, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer here. Next week, we're going to um, have Jeff who's going to interview the, the Nielsens and, and share some of their story here. But we're we blessed. I don't know if you've known. In, in your midst, there's um, just pictures of God's grace, people that are uh, Miracle. miracles of God's grace sitting among us. And uh, we're, we're just blessed by that. But we're going to pray and close this morning. Lord Jesus, we do uh, we do just thank you for this morning, God. I thank you that um, you you chose graciously to have Brooke uh and be alive today, Lord. When uh, there are many opportunities for her to be gone, Lord, and, and we just thank you that, um, Lord, we know it wasn't deserved, it wasn't willed into happening, but that you just graciously have allowed that to be. And I thank you that they give the the credit and the, and the praise to you for your graciousness. And Lord, I do pray that. Um, you would help each one of us to live each day, just one day at a time, in the moment with You, loving You and uh, loving you right in the here and now, and not worried about tomorrow and uh, what may or may not be. But God, I also pray that You help everyone here that's trying to make a decision, that's trying to figure out, that You give them a sense of urgency, that the, the timing might not be in their hands as far as when they will come before You, but the timing is in their hands when they can turn their lives over to You. We ask you to help people to do that and help us be ambassadors reconciling this world to you uh, before it's too late. And, and we just praise you for this morning. We thank you for the story you've given the Kauffmans here. And we just uh, pray all this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 How about a round of applause for church. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming this morning, and I uh, hope we'll catch you next week for uh, part two. Give so, you guys a hug. Yeah.